This is Football CFB, the home of unique football content. I never told you You scared off the vultures I never told you You scared off the ghosts living in my head That lay lonely in the dirt That Very lucky to be joined on Football CFB today by Gareth Jennings, who is the Head of Technical Leadership at FIFA of all places. So I'm very lucky to get to speak to him. First of all, Gareth, thanks for joining me. No, it's a, it's, it's a pleasure. I'm uh, obviously uh, well aware of all the programmes and uh, um, it's, it's, a pleasure to, it's a pleasure to come on. In terms of the title, Head of Technical Leadership, what does that role involve, especially when you're working at an organisation as massive and as important to the World Games, FIFA? Yeah, so um, my my sort of primary objective really is to, is to work with the technical directors globally. So um, each member association, um, so as we would call it in England, a, a football association, has, a, has a, a remit to have a technical director in post. So there's 211 of those globally. Um, so they're um, the real focus is around developing the, the, the technical director um, and making sure that uh, obviously they've got all the required competencies to, to be really effective in their role. Um, and um, I've got a responsibility to make sure that I understand the context that they work in. So understanding um, the member association, the football that goes on in their country um, and what, what that means for them as the, as the leader uh, of football in their country uh, and to support and develop them and make sure that um, actually that, that is completely fulfilled. And in terms of being aware of the, the different countries, do you have to go and visit those countries and watch games in those countries as well? Yeah, it's obviously, um, yeah, it's a, it, it, you know, it's a fantastic role. It gives me uh, exposure to the, the world game. And uh, um, I, think, I think last year um, I, I was with 107 um, different, uh, different member associations. Um, but it's uh, that's usually sort of quite centralised. So I'll go into the confederation uh, and visit one particular MA, and then the other MAs come and come and visit us there. Um, but yeah, so I, I get to see as part of the the course programmes that we deliver and, uh, uh, and the work that we do with the technical directors, we usually see um, at least one game um, while we're in that country. Um, we also see um, an elite level training session that usually links in with the game. So we'll go and visit one of the clubs um, that's preparing for the game. Um, and then also we see uh, we see coach education um, in in that country as well. So we get um, it's good because it keeps that that exposure to to, to to being on the grass and and keeps that connection with the game um, rather than just being uh, quite quite operational. Um, you know you want to I think the the reason that I'm involved in football is because I, I love the game of football uh, and you know I'm really fortunate that I've got a job that uh, that keeps me engaged with that as well. In terms of your background, you worked at the FA, you've worked at Bristol City, Leicester and Stoke. Um, with this role with FIFA, have you relocated to Switzerland as I know that's where FIFA's based? Yeah, so um, yeah, I've, I've relocated there, um, but it's just myself at the moment. So my family's still in, still in the UK. Um, so I, I tend to be out at, at FIFA, um, usually Sunday through till through till Friday, um, and then I make a, a brief visit home to see my children at, <laughs> at the weekend. But 
Um, no, it's it, it's been good um, because I think it's it's given me time to really sort of focus in on the role um, over the last um, well just just over a year now, and um, uh, it, you know it gives me a, a real opportunity to sort of spend some time at, at the headquarters uh, and uh, really make sure that I've got a complete understanding of, of what's taking place. Uh, but you know, I think as well, you know, Zurich's a Zurich's a wonderful place place to live. I've got an apartment uh, by the lake and take advantage of that by going, you know, I've been, I've been swimming this week and uh, uh, I've, I've taken the, the stand-up paddleboard out as well. So uh, there's some advantages to being <laughs> being based in Zurich and, and, and during the summer, they have some fantastic weather. It's been, you know, we've had 30 degrees this week. Um, so no, it's, it, it's fantastic to, to be there. And obviously FIFA's headquarters are there, which again is a, a really um, uh, inspiring building to, to, to be in and the facilities that they have are, are fantastic um, so again an, another wonderful part of uh, another wonderful part of the role Absolutely I was lucky enough last year I went on on holiday to Interlaken and Switzerland just the country as a whole just blew me away I thought it was incredible um, in terms of the Swiss league have you had opportunities to go and watch football obviously during your time living there? Um, not not too much um, so <laughs> Um, interestingly enough, just just this week uh, we've had uh, we've had Zurich FC in for for a few days at, at, at FIFA. Um, so they've played a number of games throughout the week, and um, we're looking at a new uh, a new offside rule and and testing VAR. Um, so they've been in this week, and obviously um, I've had the opportunity to go and look at it from a sort of technical perspective and try and understand their their game a little bit better. Um, I've got to say that. The actual clubs in in uh, in, in Switzerland uh, have, have been fantastic in terms of their engagement with me. Um, so being able to speak to the technical directors or sporting directors at, at the different clubs, uh, but not too much chance to go and see the games program as yet. But um, it's certainly something that uh, that I want to do. And uh, I know Basel is still in the uh, still in the Champions League. So if we've got an opportunity to go and see them, that would be that would be great. And in terms of your background, you've talked about how much you you love the game of football. What was it that attracted you to the coaching side of the game? Um, I think uh, I think initially because I was uh, sort of too old as a player or, or wasn't good enough as a player to uh, to, to continue it at uh, an elite level. Um, and uh, I'd sort of come through as a, as a, as a young player, as a schoolboy and a scholar and, and a young professional. Um, but... Uh, but never reached the sort of the, the heights that I wanted to. Um, so there's always that desire to remain in the game in a different uh, in a different context. Um, and um, I think I think initially it was always just you know I just in my mind I'd never sort of seen any roles past that of being a being a coach because obviously that's that's the one that you see all the time as a player. Um, so I think that's what attracted me really to to the coaching role. That obviously I, I'd seen coaches work um, and. Uh, I, I've got to say, I probably it didn't it didn't it didn't affect me too much moving from playing to to to, to being a coach. I think I speak to some players now, and you know it kills them to move out of the dressing room. Um, for me, I, I had got a real desire to try and develop young players, so there was a real attraction, real attraction there. Um, but I think as you get more and more involved in the game as well, you sort of you start to understand the different roles that you can play and the effect that you can have on the game. Um, so it opens up into a wider scope than just being a coach. I think, um, you know, if you spoke to any any manager or coach around the work they do, probably probably 90% of it is away from the pitch as well. Um, and, and, and I think when you're involved, you then start to understand the different, the different contexts. 
you're, you've been very successful in the sense that you were the academy director and head of coaching with Bristol City when they won League One. Then you follow that up by having the same roles at Leicester when they won the Premier League. The, the question that I'm interested to ask, what are the most important factors in running a successful academy? Okay. Um, well, I think the, the, the biggest indicator is obviously players, players getting through and not just making a debut in your first team, but actually being able to sustain being in your first team. So actually the number of minutes that, that they can accumulate, uh, a number, number of players that you can produce um, to play to play professional football um, is probably the biggest indicator of how successful you are from a performance perspective. Um, but then uh, alongside that as well is the, um, you know, I, I do always say, look, you shouldn't have an academy unless you want to develop, develop players. So that's the sort of the primary focus, if you like. But also there's a bigger impact that, and a bigger role that you play, um, which is around just developing individual people um, and for them to just become really good human beings. And um, so I think that's, that, that, that's really important. So when we talk about the important, the important parts, I think the, the, the scope is, the scope is, is, is really big. Um, I primarily went into it to produce players um, without a doubt. And that has got to be the focus for the football club. You know, they want to produce players for their team. Uh, to come and play or to make the club sustainable. Um, but um, I think the, yeah, the, the, the humans that you create and the, the, the worth work ethics that you instill in people, uh, um, you know, making them polite, well-mannered. For me, in terms of uh, the, the important role is, is the people that you've got as your staff that, yes, they understand their role and what they have to do, whether that be they're a sports scientist or they're, um, they're, they're a youth team coach or um, they work with the foundation phase or they're a psychologist, whatever. Actually making sure that those people fit with the purpose of your organisation. And if you, if you run your organisation correctly um, and you understand that you're developing young people holistically as well as for performance, um, getting them to mirror what your values are uh, and, and, and your beliefs is, is hugely, hugely important. And for me, if you get that, if you get the, if, if you get where you have the right people in your building um, that are sending over all those correct messages, for me, that's, that's a measure of the success of, your, of, of, of an academy and of your organisation. Another aspect of producing young players that, has really impressed me in recent years, especially with English talent, is the number of young players and even managers and coaches that are willing to move abroad. I mean, you sum that up in the fact that you're working now with FIFA, you're in Switzerland. I think of the likes of Graham Potter, who went to Sweden, and, and an incredible job he, he was doing out there before he came over to Swansea and then Brighton. You look at Ian Burchill, who's over there now, replaced yeah. Graham. Um, Jaden Sancho, another example at Dortmund. There's several English players that are playing in the Bundesliga as well. Adam Ola Lukman being another. Just how important do you think it is for young players' development, especially British-based players, that they start to spread their wings and go abroad? Because it's something that, thankfully, we're starting to see a lot more of now. In, in my personal opinion, I think it can only only benefit the game as a whole. What do you think? Yeah, I think um, I think 
you know, the the young player or, or the young coach even coming through um, needs to needs to some recognise some of the some of the global opportunities that are available to them. Um, I think, you know, we we we're quite restricted in the market that we that we operate in 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 England. Um, and you know, the the ideal scenario is that all young talent is developed in England and they go and play for English clubs, which is the the ideal scenario. Um, but uh, what 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 people need to recognise is that we've got a global market now that that is available, and if, if your pathway is not in England, are there opportunities to go and spread your wings and and and, and go abroad? Um, obviously, that's that's likely to change, obviously, with the Brexit regulations that that, that are coming in. Um, however, I think just young players having that awareness that actually, you know, don't don't just be um, channeled that actually there's only this pathway that exists for me. Look, look a lot wider than that. It's been quite interesting over the last, probably the last sort of two years, really. I've noticed a lot of um, young players that have that have not gained professional contracts or have had a single year professional contract um, that that have not been the names, so have not been um, your Jaden Sancho's um, that that have gone abroad and probably gone to smaller countries as well, and 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 they're playing full time in the game. Um, so there's a couple of young boys from from Leicester, uh, one. Um, Sim Tandy that came came to Stoke with me as well. That's he's now playing out in Cyprus and he's playing full time and you know he played in the Europa League, which is which is which is fantastic. Um, so he's going to get an opportunity and a career in the game now um, outside of the UK because he's had that um, that foresight and vision to recognise that actually it's not just in not just in England. There's opportunities for me to develop elsewhere, and and it may present itself as an opportunity to come back to England at some stage and. And, and grow your career even further in the game over here. Um, but uh, I, I just think there needs to be um, uh, an understanding that actually there's not a single pathway that exists. Um, there's, a, there's a number of opportunities for different people. Uh, and like you mentioned, obviously, Graham going, going to um, Sweden. Um, I, I, was, I was lucky enough to, um, to go out when uh, Graham was doing his pro license. He did a study visit to the European Championships in Poland with the under for the under twenty under twenty ones, and um, I went over there and, uh, and and worked with the pro license group, and uh, uh, he spoke about you know going over there and actually in the pathway that it offered him, and he would encourage other young coaches to be able to do that, um, and, and I would be exactly the same. Um, I think uh, obviously mine was slightly different going to going to FIFA. However, the opportunities that it's given me in terms of access to the global game has been has been phenomenal um but then understanding different cultures and, and languages and um other challenges that that, that you face um, but also being able to share some of the knowledge that you've gained from the english game as well actually going going almost sort of champion the work that we've done in in england and uh, and the development that we've had from the english fa actually go and share some of that knowledge as well i think that's part of the contribution we can make to the to the global game so yeah i, I would i would encourage anyone to really sort of take advantage of how small the world is now. I've got to speak to you about Leicester City because from the outside looking in, it was the most incredible footballing fairy tale and journey and, and final story. Claudio Ranieri coming in, Gary Lineker's famous tweet of really, and then you see how the season ended up progressing. As I say, from the outside looking in, it was wonderful, but just how special was it being involved within the structure at Leicester being part of that season? Yeah, I think uh, I, I think you know Leicester's a special club. Anyway, it's uh, so, some of the people there are uh, you know 
are fantastic and um you know they if you cut them in half they'd be they it'd be blue bloods without without a doubt they're um really committed to the club and i think they've got a a clear long-term vision about where they want that club to be and um uh, and and that's aligned to youth development as well you know they produce a lot of young players and they've got a real commitment to that in the game uh, but actually that that, that season obviously it was it was it was really really special um and um you know a, a privilege and honor to to have been involved and be at that club at, at that particular time um i think you know it wasn't just felt by me it was felt by all my family members as well and, my, and you know my children still speak fondly about leicester city as does my wife um so uh yeah a huge a huge huge honor to have been been there during that particular time and I probably talk about that that moment and and what it's like with a lot of the technical directors when I talk about leaders and some of the um, some of the characteristics that that they should show. Um, one thing that's really sort of stands out for me was 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 Claudio when he came in. Um, not not just not just the football coach, which you know was, was obviously very good and his experience and knowledge was very good, but probably the the, the human being um the the actual person um i think everyone felt part of a family that that year um and he made a big a big contribution to that which which was get great um and then you've got people that are that are still at the club that have that have held that together so if you you know like john rudkin was academy director and then became director of football in that first year they, they obviously his first year as a as a, a director of football they went on to to, to win the league um, to have then been able to maintain that, um, someone someone like John holding that together and um, and continuously realizing um, um, uh, you know that within an organisation is it, has been has been fantastic. You know, I probably I look at them now and I think, you know, is this almost a bigger achievement that you've you've managed to stay there and and, and maintain some of your momentum? Um, so yeah, it's um, a, a very good football club, but. You know, as as you say, you know, it was it was fantastic, and I was I was really fortunate. You know, obviously mentioned Bristol City um, when it, when I was there, um, and then I spent a short period of time as well at uh, at Wigan Warriors, uh, and, and we won the league and cup double. So I had a little sort of foray into into rugby league, and and so I was really fortunate to be involved in a in a number of um, you know championship winning winning sides, and so. It's it's good. Um, obviously, uh, you know, it, it's it's what you strive to be involved in the in the game for, and uh, hopefully there'll be more more of those moments in the future. Well, another club that you were involved with, obviously pre FIFA, was Stoke, and I remember there was an interview I read a while ago where it's Peter Coates once said to you that he wanted eleven Stoke lads in the first team, and to be fair to you, you delivered seven academy prospects, including. Tyrese Campbell, Kevin Campbell's son, who's doing incredibly well just now. What was it like working at Stoke? And what was it like when someone like Peter Coates says that to you, potentially in jest? But obviously, in your role, you must think, if that's what you want, well, I'll try and give you it. Yeah, it's, um, you know, obviously, I, I went to Stoke and I was there as a young player. So it was, a, you know, uh, it was fantastic that, that, you know, they asked me to come back and, uh, and be part of the club again um and uh you know wonderful owners and uh a, a, a good ceo um so it's a really good opportunity for me to go and work with some fantastic people at a, at a great football club and um yeah i think uh 
what was what was really probably important about that that sort of quote from Peter Coates was I was what I wanted to make clear was right what is it that we want to achieve as a football club so when I went in there as part of the interview process it was like right what is it that you actually want um, and and that's when that's when Peter came out of the quote he went oh, I want 11 boys from Stoke-on-Trent playing for Stoke, Stoke City Football Club um, so straight away it was like do you know what what he's what he's saying to me really is making a huge commitment to youth development and if if there's an opportunity for a young boy to come into that first team, I'm not going to go out and spend millions if we can develop our own. Um, so for me, it was it, it was great and something that I reiterated to to the staff at Stoke City Football Club and something that I felt that they really wanted to hear. And um, the the academy had almost existed where it'd been built up over a number of years, but they still needed that belief of um, the or the purpose of why we're here. Right, you're here to produce young footballers for Stoke City Football Club and actually the owners are telling us that that's what they want um so so that you know is it, it was it for me obviously it sounds quite a daunting task um but it's it's almost um uh reaffirming what they want as their purpose as a football club um so so it it, it was great um so then i just used that really um to go and really influence what youth development looked like to, at Stoke City Football Club uh, and I've got to say they were in a really good place when I went in there I felt that obviously the facilities the level of staffing was 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 excellent uh, and it was almost that I felt they were just at the tipping point of right we, we could get someone over the line here um, they'd gone through a probably a seven-year period of really developing and building up and, and, and being in quite a good place um, and I probably came in at a really good time where it was right. Okay, well, I just need to make sure that they believe this, and we can put we can put a performance model in place that reflects that. Um, and we, you know, part of the responsibility of the academy director is to to build up a good relationship with the first team manager. So at the time, it was it was Mark Hughes, and understanding what what he wanted, what types of player that he wanted, um, and were there any gaps that he could identify where actually a player could 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 come in. And we've got a boy at the time that was sort of in and around the first team and was wait, waiting to break through. Um, and uh, he got a, a really early opportunity. And then we had uh, a number of boys that we felt could, could fill some gaps in the side. Um, and I think Mark's biggest sort of um, challenge to us was that I don't think they're physically prepared. So when they come over and train, so um, which is really important because that's probably when they get to see them. They can't attend all the under-23s games or under-18s games because they've got other commitments with the first team. But actually, the, the big chance to see them, see the players firsthand, the young players firsthand, is, is during training. So if we can get players across into that training environment, actually, I think you'll, there'll be an opportunity for them to break through. Um, and, and he'd said to me that it's the physical demand of training day in, day out is what's really sort of challenging for them. Um, so it was quite a, quite an easy one to go. Okay, well, we just need to make sure that we're preparing our, our 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 players correctly so that they can meet the physical demands of the first team environment. Um, and I, you know, I was I was lucky. We've got really good a really good sports scientist in Paul White um, at, at the academy um, that had got uh, that that had put a model in place for the physical development of the young the young players, um, and it was just you know him being able to recognise what adjustments need to be made in the programme so that actually we, the boys could cope with going into that, that, that first team environment. Um, so the plan initially was to try and get 
players across to train more often than not with, with the first team so that they got exposure to the coaching staff and they understood what those players could bring to the side. Um, but also, the first team's almost like a jigsaw um, where it's not necessarily putting 11 of your best players together. It's 11 of the players that fit together the best, depending on how you want to play. Um, so understanding that the role context. So, okay, what's, how are they going to play? Um, what does this position-specific person look like? Um, so then you can start mirroring that down some of the age groups as well. So, right, we'll play the same way at 23s. We'll play the 18s. But actually, we'll also try and develop the individual so they, they fit within that model that's required in the first team. Um, and, it, and obviously, we, I, I, th I felt we did that really well. We had a head of coaching, uh, Jimmy Hunter, um, that, um, that understood football philosophies and how they're developed and how you create a DNA in, a, in an academy. Um, so, so that it, it was it was great. Um, we obviously had the, the seven boys that came through in an 18-month period, uh, and then obviously Gareth Owens come in now, who was he was head of the foundation phase when I was there, but but showed fantastic leadership skills and. Um, there was an opportunity for him to then step up into into that role, uh, and and he's probably kicked it on again as well. Um, you know, I look at it now, and um, they've got some boys that have dropped off. So Lassie Sorensen, that, that sort of fallen out of the system a little bit, and was back in the 23, is now pushing again to be back in the first team and played away at Reading a few few weeks ago. And and like you say, Tyrese has, has just accelerated. Um, you know, he's he, he's he's in the first team now, week in, week out. Um, I don't think it did his confidence any harm with a number of clubs shown a, a real interest in him as well early, earlier in the year. Um, but, but you still have to maintain your performance levels when you're on the pitch. And he's been able to do that and score goals. And um, Ty Tyrese is a really interesting one for me. So he signed as I was coming into the club, um, which, uh, which was also quite interesting. So Mark Kightwright was the person that, that brought him in and Mark probably got some some stick off fans over the last couple of years because of the recruitment that he'd done in in the first team. However, I think people what, what people need to recognise is that he also brought quite a lot of the young players into the clubs that are now starting to make an impact. And it was him that brought Tyrese in, and he'll probably never get any recognition for that. But he brought Tyrese in, uh, and you're now seeing seeing the of the fruits of his labours in terms of watching and monitoring that player and. Um, I, I was completely surprised when Tyrese, Tyrese first came into the building because he was more rounded than I thought he was. Um, for me, he was uh, powerful, strong, um, could could score goals, but I didn't understand the array of different types of goals he could score. Um, when he came in and, and played 18 and 23s football, he scored from he scored left foot, right foot from different distances um, in the box, out of the box. Um, he used his head, um, so he was he was more complete than I thought he was. It was really the physical side of the game that was really we had to work on with with Tyrese because he'd never had an opportunity to play ninety minutes until very late in his career because he was at Man City and the squad turnover is quite big, so it's really difficult to get as much game time as you want. Um, so you know you know when you talk about youth development in individual players, Tyrese is a really interesting case. It's you know. There's no sort of pathway that exists that's the same for everyone. Um, and, uh, and and that was the case for Tyrese. But yeah, at Stoke, thoroughly enjoyed my time there. Um, probably the, the one bit that was um, the, the most challenging was dropping down into the championship. You know, you want to be 
you want to be involved in in, in the Premier League and it, it it does have an impact on on academy football as well you know it's it's quite inspirational for the the young players if you're in in the Premier League and you want them to have exposure to to the top level football as well so when they go to games they're week in week out watching the best players in you know some of the best players in the world in the Premier League and then you drop into the championship although it's hugely competitive and a really good league it's not the exposure that they're getting when you're when when you're in the Premier League but uh, no fantastic fantastic time at the club and uh, 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 you know a really well run uh, well run operation and uh, an organisation. We talked about Tyrese there and <clears throat> having a player like Kevin Campbell as your father I mean a lot of players would, would maybe struggle under that pressure because of the inevitable comparisons but He's absolutely flying. You mentioned interest. Obviously, I'm from Scotland, so interest from Celtic and Rangers up here it was, was quite strong, so I'm led to believe, and, and I can understand why. Just how far do you think he could go in the game? Because, as you said, the, the variation he's got in his finishing ability, as well as the power that he's got, for me, he just seems like a tailor-made Premier League player in the next couple of years. Yeah, so um, yeah, I've, I've got to say he's 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 really surprised me how it's how it's accelerated so quickly as well. Um, so uh, great, great lad, really nice character to him, um, and uh, a, a pleasure to, a pleasure to work with. Um, I think if he continues in terms of the development model that he's created for himself, um, he he could certainly go on and play Premier League football without a doubt. Um, however, he's still he's still learning, um, and the difficult bit is making sure that he maintains that and understands that that actually you know um, you know life can become very nice in the championship. You're in a really good salary, and um, you get a lot of recognition. You know, they're well supported club. It's a competitive league. However, I do believe he's got huge ambitions, um, and he's got a father that can be able to drive and support him with those ambitions as well. Um, uh, so he'll have to keep his feet on the ground, uh, but uh, he's certainly got uh, quite a number of attributes that you would you would align to being a, a being a Premier League centre forward. And uh, uh, I, no, I, I I would love it if he went on and and did that. It would be great to great to see. Um, I've had the I've had the absolute pleasure of of working with uh, uh, Ben Chilwell at, at Leicester and um, uh, Harvey Barnes at at Leicester. And uh, obviously they've, they're now in the first team on a regular, regular, regular basis, along with Hamza Chowdhury. And uh, you know, if if players understand that if they can just go that little bit, little bit further and really push themselves, and they can make some enormous strides. Um, and you know, those, those young boys that have come through, um, you can never imagine them being at the level that they're at because it's it, it's such, even though it's probably a small amount. It's 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 also a gulf as well, um, so they have to be really dedicated and psychologically psychologically prepared for some of the, the demands of the game. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I certainly think I certainly think Tyrese could do that, and uh, um, it, you know it'd be interesting to see now uh, what the demands are like on I mean, him from a from a transfer perspective. So do some of the bigger clubs in England have they now recognised? Why he had that interest from Scotland, um, and uh, you know it'd be probably quite a quite a difficult and testing time for for Stoke City, I would think, in the uh, in the summer transfer market. 
Absolutely. And while I've got you here, I've got to ask you about another exciting young player and very topical at the moment, especially Mason Greenwood. Just how excited are you at the potential that he has? Because you think 18 years of age, playing for Manchester United, it's 16 goals and counting as we speak. And for me, I just think to handle that pressure um, and, and flourish under it at that age for such a massive club is just absolutely frightening. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think as a, as an individual, uh, he's he's an unbelievable player. Um, just just seeing him him come through the through the youth sides, um, it was really identifiable that he was uh, uh, he was really going to sort of push the limits. Um, and you felt he'd got a really good opportunity of, uh, of of coming through as a young player, particularly sort of how they look after young players at Manchester United and. Um, you know uh, the, the sort of treatments. Uh, you know how how they really sort of nurture them. Um, I think offered him a really good opportunity to come into the game. And you look at him now, and um, you, know, he's, you know, I watched him last night at, at Aston Villa, and uh, you know he's a fantastic player. Um, I I think he's got every opportunity to absolutely. Uh, continue to grow and grow and grow and really have an impact at, at international level as well. Um, he's uh, uh, and I, I think he, he probably came through at a very good time at Manchester United as well. When in terms of the first team and uh, the player, the the opportunities that you, you've got available to you as a young player at that period of time was really really good. And it almost looks like he's coming to the side and. They're almost at a development opportunity as well. So if he can continue to grow with the team as they develop, and obviously new players come in through 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 transfers, um, yeah, I, he, the world's his oyster. I, I, I do believe that he's. Uh, I, I've been hugely hugely impressed, and obviously they, um, the under 18s coach that he had um, moved through to the first team, and is uh, is. Is, is one of the first team coaches now, so that probably offered him a, a, a really good opportunity as well in terms of some some stability in terms of the people that he's dealing with on a daily basis. And then you've got Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, who's a who's a centre forward, um, that he's going to offer you know additional advice to him as well. Um, so no, um, yeah, uh, I'm I'm the same as you. That you know you recognise the potential. I think it's I think it's easy for anyone to see, and uh, uh, I, you know. I, I hope he does just continue to develop and develop and develop uh, as there are a number of young English players in the game. I think, um, I think we're really, really fortunate that, uh, um, you know, I'm going to speak about the English FA here in terms of what they've done around coach education and uh, the impact that they've had on the game um, and the young players coming through both in the male and the female game is, is, is fantastic. But then you look at some of the other home nations as well, you know, the, the work that's being done at the, at the Scottish FA with 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 Malky Mackay has been, you know, is, is fantastic. Um, you know, some of the young players that they're producing now, you know, the, one one of the age groups, I think it's the under, if it's 17s, I think they're coming through at the minute. That, you know, you, you're going to have a an unbelievable side when when they come through and it, it and it blossoms. And there's probably a really good opportunity for players in in Scotland as well to get exposure to to league football. The pathway is probably quite clear at the moment. Um, and and then the, the FAW as well, um, the, the coach education um, that they do with particularly with senior players, where they've really affected senior players going back into the game. Um, and 
maintaining a high standard of, of coach education. So I, I think we're in a really fortunate position at the moment with obviously football in England, with the Premier League and the Football League have this uh, huge attraction because of the, uh, the monetary value to the game. Um, and uh, I think particularly now with, with, with COVID, um, they're obviously able to sustain themselves a lot easier than some of the, the, the football globally. Um, so I think I think we're we're in a really sort of uh, strong position uh, football wise, uh, and hopefully that will continue to to grow and develop. And also, one last question on your role as head of technical leadership, working with technical directors. We've just talked about the home nations and the important roles that they're doing in coach education. How important also is it the likes of Frank Lampard, Stephen Gerrard, Saul Campbell, Wayne Rooney, players of that stature? are staying in the game to coach rather than going, going on to be pundits? Because although there's a place for pundits and the entertainment you get from the likes of Gary Neville, Jamie Carragher, Steve McManaman and others is great, I also think, how, for me anyway, I can imagine what it would be like if I was a young player in academy and I was being coached by a Gerard, a Lampard, a Rooney. It must be incredibly inspiring. Just how important do you think those guys can be? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's hugely important. Um, you know these these people have made such a fantastic contribution to the to the game as a as a player. Um, their 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 technical ability and understanding of the elite game is 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 huge. Um, and I, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to discredit someone that's not played coming into the coming into a coaching field and saying that you know you you can't be a, a an unbelievable coach at the top level as well because I think there's also a pathway for those those people, but. Obviously, based on, on on the question, I think um, I think it's hugely important that we um, we attract players to continue in the game, um, to develop it even further. Um, and if we can get the the absolute elites like your Gerrards, Lampards, ah, I think uh, hugely aspirational for people, um, young players coming through in the game and, and being involved. If you look at if you look at um, uh, I'm trying to think of it. So uh, Max Bird at, at Derby County that's getting to now play alongside Wayne Rooney and I think there's Knight and Sibley as well as young players that, you know, the, the football that Derby County are playing uh, possession-wise is, is phenomenal. Uh, and, and Wayne Rooney sat in that deep midfielder role talking to them and, and they look like experienced players because they're having um, Wayne Rooney having that, that, that impact on them. And he's now aligning that with his coaching career as well. Um, so it's you know it, it, it's it's allowing him a, a pathway into into coaching um now I, for, for me it's something that we, we we really need to encourage um and um there needs to be a, a development pathway for for those coaches um i think a lot of the time obviously we need to retain credibility in the in in the coaching licenses um so they have to go through the same uh, the same awards as everyone else. Um, the support mechanisms may, may look different because obviously it's very difficult to then go and place Stephen Gerrard or Wayne Rooney in a room full of people that, uh, um, that, that, are, that are doing their coaching licenses that have never been involved in the game. So that's, you know, it, it's very difficult. And I think some people question that. And I'm saying, ah, you know, look, they've got a different life to, 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 to me and to, to yourselves. And um, so the support mechanism for them has got to look different. They may have to do it in their their own environment or in a club environment away from from that classroom. Um, however, the contribution they make to the whole of the game 
um, and for the sustainability of elite football in our country is 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 massive. Um, I think people underestimate the contribution that that they actually make. Um, so really important that we maintain that 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 pathway uh, and really encourage these people to 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 grow within the game. Um, I I've been well. I, I think obviously Frank Lampard was at uh, was at Derby and now he's gone into Chelsea and uh, ha has quite a young coaching staff around him, which I found quite interesting. I think when he went to Derby, I was expecting that he may take uh, like a uh, Harry Redknapp with him as someone to sit alongside him and just guide him and support him, which I'm sure he gets that support as a sort of family member anyway, uh, and obviously from his father as well. Um, but then to go and put a really young coaching staff around him, um, people that he obviously believed in and could really contribute to how he wanted to play football and develop players. Um, I've been hugely impressed with how he's coped with that and then going back to Chelsea and, and coping with the demands of that as well. So, um, no, uh, really good question and something that uh, should be absolutely encouraged. I have to say, Gareth, it's been an absolute <clears throat> pleasure speaking to you and an education for me in many ways. So thank you for your time and I'd love to have you on again in the future. Uh, it's, been an, it's been an absolute pleasure, Callum, and, and feel free. I'm, I'm more than happy to to come on and, and, and speak to people or answer any, any questions. It's, uh, it's great to, to obviously uh, to, to listen to the CFB show. So, um, yeah, the, the more you can get me involved, the, the better. So please feel free just to ask me anytime.